are listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. This is our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, Power in Us. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it, since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. Good morning. My name is Jamal. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're a first-time guest, man, we are so thankful that you chose to spend uh, this Sunday morning with us. Um, I have the joy today to explain, illustrate, and apply God's Word um, into our our life and the life of our church. And uh, before diving into this text, I'm going to ask for the Lord's help, and I would ask you to join me. So let's pray. Lord, we, we beg you. We, we desperately need you uh, to have, have your way. We pray, Father God, that you would calm our hearts and our minds so that we would hear your voice as you shepherd us through your word. We pray, Father God, that you would remind us of your great love for us, a love that is perfect, a love that passed out Casts out all fear, all insecurities. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe on us as we sit under your word, knowing that you are indwelling us. But we, we ask, Lord, just a, a fresh breath of your spirit on us experientially as well today. Not for our glory, not for our might, not for us, Lord, to do anything other than to glorify you. 
Lord, I also pray for our youth who are on their way back uh, to Louisville as they uh, travel back in a bus together. As to, I pray, Father God, that your spirit who was at work over the last day and a half with them, Lord, I pray that it would bring uh, conviction and calm and that someone on that bus this weekend would ask that question, what must I do to be saved? Even now, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Today, we're going to continue our series, The Holy Spirit, Power in Us. And we'll be looking at the theme of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. The Holy Spirit and wisdom. A couple years ago, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, and this friend uh, told Amber and me, she said, hey, uh, you know that uh, one group you like, that uh, Christian, kind of contemporary Christian group that you like, uh, Shane and Shane? I said, yeah, I, I know Shane and Shane. Shane and Shane was like the first group outside of gospel music that I started listening to years ago. And I uh, loved them. One of their songs was played at our wedding, right? And she said, man, I hate to break this down to you, but they, they broke up as a, as a group. I was like, really? She said, yeah, man, they broke up. In fact, they're in court right now, and it is getting ugly. I said, Shane and Shane? Say yes, it's getting ugly. They are in court right now. They're going through this dispute. Man, and my heart kind of broke. I'm like, man, Shane and Shane, y'all was like gospel-centered. Everything was about Jesus. I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. So I go and I get on Google and I research them. Shane and Shane. Enter. And I'm scrolling. I'm looking for an article about them to find out this court case. And I find one. And a court case, uh, the article says this. Yes, Christian contemporary group Shane and Shame is in a ugly court battle. And what they are uh, having a lawsuit over is one Shane this whole time thought that he was the first Shane mentioned in the group Shane and Shame. But when he found out that his name wasn't first, he got upset, he left the group, and he sued the other Shane um, for mismanaging whatever. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I look, and lo and behold, it was a satire uh, (laughs) group. It was Babylon B, right? And I text my friend. I'm like, yo, this is satire. (laughs) Here's the link. Shane and Shane is fine, right? It's hard in this information age to know, like, man, what is true? What is false? What is fact? What is fiction? And something like that is really funny, and it doesn't... Uh, it can cause some harm. Perhaps Shane and Shane was going through and just answering people's texts like, man, y'all broke up. No, we are not in court, right? <laughs> but for most of us, we hear that and we can laugh because it's silly. But man, when the stakes are high, misinformation can be dangerous. Think about what's happening in Israel right now, in Palestine, and just this last week with the war against uh, Hamas and how misinformation just comes out and how much confusion it causes, how much pain it causes. And you're just now scrolling on social media looking for news sources like, what actually happened? What is reality? What is true? And because of misinformation, people are like losing their lives. People are rooting themselves deeper into a, a belief or ideology because they can't discern fact from fiction. What's true from what's false. Misinformation, satire, 
It's fun when the stakes are low, but it causes havoc in our life when the stakes are high. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he is writing them to try to help them to discern between true wisdom and false wisdom, godly wisdom and the world's wisdom. And the reason that he is writing them to help them to distinguish this is because he's looking at the church and he is seeing disunity. He is seeing confusion. He is seeing seeing rivalries. He's seeing division. And he is writing the church of Corinth that he loves, that he poured into, that he preached and saw birthed. And he says, listen, you all need to be able to discern between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. And not only do you need to be able to discern between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom, but God, through the Holy Spirit, has imparted his wisdom in you so that you can discern. And so he's writing the church and he's pleading with them to choose the wisdom of the cross over the wisdom of Corinth. The wisdom of the cross is a wisdom that is weak, is lowly, is despised, doesn't often come with nobility. The wisdom of Corinth was flashy, It was fast. It was exciting. It had a lot of style, but it didn't really have substance. And the church was starting to choose style over substance. Whoever can make the most eloquent argument, whoever came on top because they had good debating skills, whoever can proclaim something in the most philosophical and sophisticated way wins the battle of truth. And Paul says, I did not come with sophistication. I did not come with eloquence of speech. I did not come with the deepest oratory uh, attempt to, to win you over. He says, I came with a message, and that message was Christ and him crucified. I came preaching the way of the cross. But then he says, and I came preaching that, and the Spirit gave a demonstration of power. What was this demonstration of power? It was that those who were dead became alive in Christ. Those who once followed the way of Corinth was following the way of the cross, and now he is writing this to let the church know that they are starting to slowly drift from the message of the cross, the wisdom of God, and they are drifting to the wisdom of Corinth and the ways of the world. This is not on the screen, but I just want to read some verses to you real quick to catch us up, and then I'll tell you what we'll be doing for the next 30 minutes together. Verse 10 of chapter 1 says this, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there is rivalry among you. What I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. Or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? 
And then he goes in verse 18, he says this, for the word of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Now, many were wise from a human perspective. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world, what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And then in chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, he says this, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with the brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ in him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with pervasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not be based on human wisdom, but on God's wisdom. What was happening in Corinth, Corinth was really known, and even just uh, just the Greek world, for uh, just speaking and, and rhetoric. And people would literally stand on the corners and bring and get a following by just speaking philosophy. And it was all substance, mostly. Um, And whoever had the all style, whoever had the most style and who could debate the best and who could speak the best, won the biggest crowd. Their ministry was supported that way. And they were the, the ones who were considered wise and who were considered strong. And Paul is saying that attitude is seeped into the church And now you all are having a hard time discerning between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom because you are choosing style over substance. The ways of Corinth over the ways of the cross. The wisdom of Christ, he says, is lowly, it's humble, it's it's a crucifixion. So, today, I simply want to put this invitation or this main point before you, and it's this. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit surpasses, surpasses human wisdom. Therefore, seek the wisdom of the Spirit. That's the main point. The wisdom of the Spirit surpasses human wisdom. Therefore, seek the wisdom of the Spirit. And we're going to have two simple movements. The first movement is going to be this. The Holy Spirit is superior to human wisdom. The way of the Spirit is superior to human wisdom. And second, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom to the people of God. How the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom to the people of God. We're going to pick up at verse 6, and I want you to, to see this, and it's just really important. My burden for us as a church is we look at just the way of our world, as we look at how powerful media is and social media and and just misinformation is, and how we, like Corinth, can be taken away from 
um, the way of Christ by style, by what goes viral, by what's popular, by slogans that are catchy and that at the veneer seem really life-giving, but underneath brings death. We too, as the people of God, must be able to discern between false wisdom and true wisdom. And we must continue to walk the way of Christ. And so we see in verse 6 through verse 8, we're going to look at the difference between human wisdom and the world's wisdom, and it's pretty simple. At the end of the day, human wisdom leads you to nothing. And the Holy Spirit's wisdom, God's wisdom, leads you to eternal life and the Lord's glory. Human wisdom leads to nothing. It leads to judgment. But the Holy Spirit's wisdom leads to glory. Look at this, verse 6. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. We who who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we see these two wisdoms being compared. He says, we speak a wisdom among the mature. When Paul is talking about mature here, the, uh, another word for it can be among those who are perfect, I don't think that Paul is saying we only speak to people who are mature about the, this wisdom. At the end of the day, what is this wisdom? This wisdom, he says in chapter one, is literally Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus. It is God's mysterious plan that he orchestrated before the age. He predestined from the very beginning of time. And so he says, listen, this wisdom that we speak is not among the mature, mature not being that he's trying to create two different groups, those who are mature, those who are immature. The mature are any, is anyone who is in Christ. Going back to verses one through three, it is the saints, those who are being sanctified by Jesus. He says, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. The world's wisdom is leading to nothing. And here what Paul means is eschatological judgment or judgment on the day of judgment. That everyone who thought they were wise and who thought that the way of the world was better than and more superior than the way of the cross and the way of Christ on the day of judgment will be humbled. Verse seven, on the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. So Paul is saying, listen, I, we have a, another wisdom, and this is the wisdom of salvation that God predestined from the very beginning. And notice what he says here. It is a wisdom God predestined before the ages, and it's for our glory. It's for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so notice this, these two uses of the word glory. He says this wisdom came for our glory. And then it says that the rulers of this age did not know this wisdom um, because if they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. 
Our glory is, is the Lord of glory. It's Jesus. And, and what Paul is saying is we have been given this wisdom by God, and this wisdom that we have glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, let your light so shine that men will see your good works, but glorify your God in heaven. The wisdom of God, the impartation of the Holy Spirit allows us to shine and for people to see the glory of Jesus. Now, who are the people, or he says here, the rulers of this age? Who are the rulers of this age? Well, we see in this text that he calls those who crucified Jesus the rulers of the age, and those who were first and most responsible for crucifying Jesus was the Roman government and Jewish leaders. The rulers of the age are temporal authorities who are setting the values and patterns of the world system outside of Jesus. He says, listen, the rulers of this age both can be religious <laughs> and irreligious. The, the, the Jewish leaders and the Roman government. So just because you go to church, just because we can quote scripture, just because we're in leaders of influence, it doesn't mean that we have God's wisdom in the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Thank face. The rulers of this age, they value style themselves. The way of the cross values Jesus, lowliness that leads to a future exaltation. So that's the first comparison. The world's wisdom leads to nothing. God's wisdom leads to glory. The second movement we want to look at is how does the Holy Spirit impart wisdom? How does the Holy Spirit impart this wisdom? We pick up in verse 9, but as it was written, no, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things, listen to this, to us by the Spirit. So the first way uh, in which the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom to the people of God is through revelation. It's through revelation. We're going to look at four ways. It's through revelation. It's through Revelation. Here, the Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52 is a powerful passage. It comes right before Isaiah 53, which many of us know as the suffering servant and how, how the future Messiah will be uh, crucified. He says this, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. He's speaking of a suffering servant, the future Messiah. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. That's powerful. Isaiah is saying, hey, there's a future king that's going to come who is going to be so disfigured 
and so beat up. And it makes no sense when you're reading this, if, you, if the Spirit does not give you this revelation. And then he goes on to say, but this, this future suffering servant will have kings bowing to him, will have the nations worshiping him. And this is where he quotes, for what they were not told, they will see. <laughs> and what they have not heard, they will understand. What is Paul doing? He's shepherding. He's shepherding his church. He's like, listen, y'all, y'all going away of Corinth, style over gospel substance. Remember what Isaiah said. The way of the kingdom is upside down. It's inverted. It doesn't make sense. It's the way in which those who follow Yahweh are often disfigured, often despised, often come in fear, weakness, and trembling. But with that comes revelation, with that comes power, with that comes exaltation. The Spirit of God reveals this inverted kingdom to us, reveals to us Jesus. Look at what he says. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who what? Who love him. So what's the requirement of coming into God's wisdom? The requirement in coming to God's wisdom throughout the scripture we see is really three things. One is, is faith. Faith alone, through grace alone, is God opening our eyes and allowing us to see Jesus Christ as his crucified king. It's love. When we see Jesus as the crucified king, we love him because we understand that he died in our place. He died for us. That's the requirement. For those who loved him, God has prepared so much. And the proof of our love for him, Jesus says, if you love me, you will you will keep my commandments. It's living a life that is faithful to the two great commandments, loving God with everything and loving your neighbor as yourself. And the only way a person comes to see Jesus by faith and to love him is if the Holy Spirit imparts this revelation to them. Hey, that the world is not as it seems. That God has broken into this present evil age and he has planted a mustard seed, his kingdom. And he has imparted his king on the throne. And his king does not look like the world's king. His king does not talk like the world's king. His king does not value what the world's kings value. But his king comes with power. Second. The Holy Spirit not only imparts revelation, but the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Look at this really quick. It says, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so Paul says, listen, the Holy Spirit imparts revelation allows us to see what we could not ordinarily see. And then the Holy Spirit searches the deep places of God. And what he's getting at, and we'll see this in a second, and he searches those deep places of God and he reveals those deep places of God to us so that we can experience him and know him and discern him. Now, I love how the Holy Spirit is spoken of in this text 
as we're on this series on the Holy Spirit. One, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as a distinct person from God. Or in this text, look at this. Now, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. So it seems like there's God and the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is his own person, but the Holy Spirit is also God. There is one God. The Holy Spirit is intimate with God the Father, though he is his own distinct person in what we call the Trinity or the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit takes the deep riches of God the Father and he reveals it to God's children. He searches the depths of God. Verse 11, Paul gives an illustration for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So he says, just like no one really knows, it's impossible to know what another person is thinking. We think we know. (laughs) And that's why I have so much pain and confusion. In, in all of our lives, it's because we think we know what other people are thinking. And we can project our thoughts, our values, what we want on other people. And then you talk to them, and it's like, that's not what I was thinking at all. I actually was thinking this. Just as the only person who knows truly what you're thinking is you, Paul says, the only person who truly knows the thoughts of God is God himself. It's the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Holy Spirit reveals, the Holy Spirit searches. Verse 12. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. Third thing that the Holy Spirit imparts, or way that the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom, is the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding. I love what verse 12 says. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit that comes from God. Now we talked about the wisdom of the world and how it leads to nothing and how the wisdom of God and how it leads to glory. Uh, But in between now and the day of judgment, the Holy Spirit imparts his wisdom on us in a way that is practical and, and tangible. Not only on us, but in a way in which we can discern if he is truly present and if the people who are gathering together are truly following his wisdom rather than the world's. And this is what Paul is writing about throughout this letter. He's exposing Corinth's wisdom and showing that Corinthians' wisdom leads to confusion and Christ's wisdom leads to peace. But James chapter 3 gives us a, a distinction between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false about the truth, verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But, somebody say but. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Just look at that for a minute. 
This is the wisdom that the Holy Spirit imparts. So how do we know if we're walking in the Spirit or if we're walking in the flesh, if we're walking in the way of Corinth or if we're walking in the way of the cross? Is there disorder and vile practice or is there being cultivated peace, gentleness, and openness to reason, mercy? We talked about how the Holy Spirit is the the spirit of Christ and he fills us with Jesus and points us constantly to Jesus. He points us to Jesus who is peaceable and gentle, who is open to reason, who is full of mercy and good fruits, who was was sincere. Paul says, listen, the Holy Spirit reveals, he searches the depths of God, then he gives us understanding about who God is. And so how do we get that understanding about who God is? In the same book, in James chapter 1, James says, listen, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives wisdom freely without begrudging. How do we grow in wisdom? We ask, we pray for it, and we pray with faith and with confidence, knowing that God will give wisdom, God will give Christ. He will not only give us knowledge, wisdom is knowledge and understanding with the ability to actually apply it to our lives. You need wisdom, you need knowledge to to navigate this world, to navigate the ins and outs of life, to navigate friendships, to navigate parenting, to, to navigate how you should be spending your time. Ask God. He gives wisdom freely. So we ask. Proverbs chapter 2, one of my favorite Proverbs. Love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2. Let's go there real quick. I'm sitting here turning my Bible and it's on the screen. I just remembered. Amen. You know, we didn't always have a screen when preaching. Amen. <laughs> Came from the hood. Now we're in a hollow. No. Uh, Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. What do you need wisdom in and for this morning? Are you searching for it? Are you seeking like it's silver? Are you searching for it like hidden treasure? Now, this is, this is back in the day. In order to find a hidden treasure, they didn't have all the devices that we have. They had to get on their hands and knees and claw and dig. As a deer pants for the Lord, so my soul pants for thee. Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. See, the world's wisdom says, no, I don't have to get desperate. I don't have to get on my hands and my knees. I don't have to get on my face to pursue the Lord because I I have so much 
I've got a car, I've got a house, I've got friends, I've got a little change in my pocket, I've got a little swag on me, so I'll just try to navigate life through my own thinking, through my own mind, because it's gotten me this far. Those church folks used to say, silver and gold, silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Have you read the paper lately? Have you, have, have you looked at TMZ lately? Have you seen that people who, who seem to have it all but who do not have Jesus don't have peace? We need God's wisdom. God's wisdom is found when we seek his face. When we don't just talk about praying, but we actually pray. We don't just talk about Jesus. We actually develop a relationship with them. When he becomes a, a person and, and real and we become more desperate for him than life itself. When we see that he invites us to come to him to find rest for our weary soul. And when we know that when we go to him, we're going to find grace and mercy and love and revelation. Eyes have not seen, nor has ears heard what God has prepared for us. And I believe that that verse is pointing us to the eschaton, to the end times, but I also believe that God has prepared some stuff for us here and now. And the stuff I'm talking about is not money, it's not wealth, it's not riches, it's not status. I'm talking about peace and joy and love and some riches that comes out of the scriptures where we're reading it and, and praying and meditating. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has given us revelation. And he's helping us to connect the Old Testament to the New, helping us to connect our lives to the scripture. You know what? You know what I'm fed up uh, with? I'm fed up with cool Christianity. <laughs> Y'all can be cool. I, you know, I, I don't care about being cool. I don't want to be cool. I mean, I try. My kids remind me all the time that I'm not, so I just gave up. I, I, I want to be a cool Christian. I want to be a, a Christ-loving Christian. I want to be that fourth. Fourth, the Holy Spirit reveals, the Holy Spirit searches, the Holy Spirit gives understanding. Listen, but the Holy Spirit also teaches us to teach. Notice what Paul does here. I mean, I think this is just amazing. Verse 13, he says, listen, we, now he's talking about, we also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom. But in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from the God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. The Holy Spirit imparts wisdom, He gives us revelation. He searches the deep places of God. He brings it to us, helps us to, to know and to be able to understand God's word. Then he applies that word to our life. 
allows it to, to nourish us. He gives us understanding. Listen, but it doesn't just stop there. He then gives us the gift, as Paul says, to teach it to other people. To explain the good news of Jesus to others. It doesn't just stop with us. God's wisdom flows through us as conduits to the world so that those who are not spiritual, when Paul talks about spiritual here, he's not using it in a way that we use in a new age way. I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. He talks about spiritual people, that's not what we're talking about. To Paul, a spiritual person is a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Next time somebody say that, I dare you to say, oh, so you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You know Jesus? You gather with his people on Sunday? No, I'm just... But he teaches it to teach to other people. But he says, listen, these things, these truths that we teach to other people, other people will not understand if they do not have the spirit. The story is told of a guy who came home from work and he invited his friend over. And he said, man, listen, there's a soccer game on tonight. And uh, I want you to come over and watch it with me. I know you like soccer. I love soccer. Biggest game of the year. And his friend's like, hey, I'm going to come over right after work. His friend comes over after work and they're sitting in his living room and he's looking at the television and he's like, man, this is the biggest TV you have? And he's like, yeah, this is all I got. It's about 25, 30 inches, right? And his friend is watching the game and the whole time he's thinking about his television at home. He's like, we should have did this at my house. I got a 50 inch television. I got surround sound. I've got uh, just the clearest picture that there is. So at halftime, he's like, man, this was good. I really appreciate you inviting me over. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to head home. So he drives, he gets in the car and he's trying to get there for the second half of the game. And he pulls up and he turns on his television. He's looking everywhere. He's looking everywhere. He's got his big 50 inch TV and it is in surround sound and it is crystal clear. And he's just looking everywhere. Where is real Madrid? Where is it? Where is it? Where's the game? Where's the game? Where's the game? And then he calls his friend and he says, hey, man, I can't get the game. He was like, oh, I've got a special subscription. And I actually got a satellite that allows me to get the game. If you don't have this subscription, if you don't have the satellite, you can't get the game. Y'all don't hear me. <laughs> Paul says, listen, Christian, you may not have the 50 screen TV. You may not have surround sound, but I'll tell you what you do have. You've got access to the God of this universe. You're in the game. You've got a revelation that other people do not have. And I'd rather have access to the game and be considered despised and lowly and crazy <laughs> than to have all the trappings of this world and not be able to tap into the heart of God. So what's my application? The application is really quick. Listen, seek. We'll start first. Have confidence in the Holy Spirit's impartation of wisdom. Have confidence in the Holy Spirit's. If you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit's wisdom. You have the Spirit's wisdom. Paul is writing to Corinth and he's tearing down this notion that there is Christian elitism. 
that some Christians are closer to God because they are more sophisticated, more philosophical, and smarter. And he reminds them in chapter one, not many of you were of noble birth. Not many of you had much going on. In other words, in light of Christ, all of you all are on the same level. And why is this important for our church? And here's my burden. I've got to rush to a close, but here's my burden. My burden for our church is that there is a a spiritual elitism that can set up. We're in a seminary neighborhood in a seminary town, and some people have given their life to go to school to study the Bible. And some of us, we bring that into the sanctuary. We bring that into community groups. And other of us, us have not been through formal training, and we kind of cower, and we think, well, I'll never be able to know Jesus like Pastor Jamal, or I'll never be able to know Jesus like Pastor such and such. I'll never be able to know Jesus like, like Sister so-and-so because she knows this and she's done this. I'll never be able to because they were a missionary. Listen, Listen, the Holy Spirit imparts wisdom to the body of Christ. We praise God for those who went to a formal education, and we benefit from it as a church. But that is not a requirement to be a faithful church that is close to the heart of God. What the Bible says is that anybody who is in Christ can know Jesus, experience his love. The apostles and the ones that Jesus chose to walk with him and the ones that he chose to have this world turned upside down were not formally trained. trained. They were fishermen. They were women. But Acts chapter 4 says that, but they walked with Jesus. That's what they were known by. They, they sat at the feet of their rabbi. They were covered in his dust. If you are in Christ, You can know Jesus. You can understand your Bible. You have to just pray your way through it and learn to handle it in a faithful way. And one way that you learn, you can search, there's books. One way you learn is just by sitting under faithful preaching and watch what we do. Read it in context. Pray your way through it. Talk to another Christian. Have them sit down with you and say, can you help me to learn how to interpret the Bible? And I'm telling you, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. God has not created us as the people of God to depend on one sermon on Sunday morning. And if that is what you are depending on, you are malnourished spiritually, just like you will be malnourished if you ate one meal a week. And some of us are. "Mm." Some of us, we are we are struggling to feel the love of God because we are surviving off of breadcrumbs. God's saying, I've got so much more. And we're being shaped and discipled by the world and the way of the world more than we are by Christ. And may the Lord help me. To not be the religious professional who is trying to lead other people elsewhere, eating to feed rather than to nourish myself. Second, pursue the Holy Spirit's wisdom over the world. The way in which we do that is just by ingratiating ourselves in the things of God and in the Lord. 
by renewing our mind, meditating on the word. By not settling for the bare minimum to know Jesus, but by pressing in, pressing in. Why not read the Bible as often as you can out of love, not out of duty? Why not call up a friend and say, let's just meet at a coffee shop. Let's have lunch and let's just read the book of First and Second Timothy together. You read one chapter, I read another chapter. Why not just gather in our homes simply to pray outside of our regular scheduled times? Why not just fall on our face each morning saying, Jesus, help me, teach me to pray? Why not just open our mouth and speak and share of what God has done for us and who he has made us in Christ? Why not? Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com Midtown.